I'm Jorge Salazar with the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Some secrets of our skeletons might be found in the silky webs of golden orb weaver spiders, according to experiments guided by supercomputers. Scientists don't yet understand the details of osteogenesis, or how bones form. A study found that silica, combined with engineered silk derived from the dragline of golden orb weaver spider webs, could be fine-tuned to activate genes in human stem cells that initiated biomineralization, a key step in bone formation. The study appeared September 2017 in the journal Advanced Functional Materials. The authors used supercomputers through an allocation from Exceed, the extreme science and engineering discovery environment funded by the National Science Foundation. Stampede at TAC and Comet at the San Diego Supercomputing Center helped scientists model the protein folding of Integrin, an essential step in the intracellular pathways that lead to osteogenesis. This research will help larger efforts to cure bone disorders, such as osteoporosis or calcific aortic valve disease. On the phone to talk about the bone formation study are Syra Martin Moldes of the Kaplan Lab at Tufts University and Davud Ebrahimi at the Laboratory for Atomistic and Molecular Mechanics of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Syra and Davud, welcome to the podcast. Sure. Tell us about the main findings of a recent study on bone regeneration that used engineered silk materials that was published in the journal Advanced Functional Materials in September of 2017. First, this work demonstrates a direct link between silk silica-based biomaterials and kinesocellular pathways leading to osteogenesis, to the bone formation process. This hydrate material promoted the differentiation of human mesenchymal stem cells, the progenitor cells from the bone marrow, to osteoblasts as an indicator of the osteogenesis or this bone-like tissue formation. And uh, we also propose a mechanism in our work that starts with the silica cell surfaces activating a specific cell membrane protein receptors interins, in this case interin alpha G beta 3, that subsequently triggered cascades in the cell through the three mitogen-activated protein kinases pathways, the macanase pathway, with the junk cascade as the main uh, pathway activated in this process. And other factors are also involved in this process, such as FRANCS2, uh, the main transcription factor related to osteogenesis. The controlled seal films without the silica did not show any response, and neither did the blockage of this interim using an antibody confirming its involvement in this process. Another important outcome was the correlation between the amount of silica deposited in the film and the level of induction of these genes that we analyzed. And this fact also provides an important feature to control in future um, material designs for bone-forming biomaterials. And uh, I could add uh, that high-performance supercomputing simulations were also utilized along with experimental approaches to develop a model for the integrine activation, which is the first step in the bone formation process. 
Yes, I was hoping for the benefit of people listening, uh, if you could walk us through in the simplest way, maybe some of the concepts involved here. So the general idea is that because of biomineralization is a critical process in the material biology, we wanted to identify the main actors that are involved in the cell in the bone formation process when we talk about silica surfaces. And the reason why is because we would love to generate a model that help us predict and maybe modulate this response, both in terms of preventing the mineralization and also to promote it. I could say that uh, in order to do task A, let's say, you need to do some steps in order to do that task. Those steps are uh, those unknown, let's say, parts that we are trying to find in order to control the process of doing task A, which in this case is bone formation. We want to find different proteins involved in the formation of bone or involved in sending the message to the DNA at the nucleus of the protein in order to start generating bone. If we find this path, we could trigger and fine-tune it. We could alter the path in order to create more bone in some disease. This is what we need. Or in order to reduce the amount of bone created. This is something else that sometimes we need as well. Depending on the need, then we can fine-tune formation if we want if you know the past the proteins involved and how they are getting involved and getting activated or triggered in the process dr ibrahimi you mentioned supercomputing would you speak to some of the computational challenges uh, your team faced in probing the ability of these uh, silk silica materials to form these minerals and ultimately repair bones and other tissues of course, actually, biological processes, proteins undergo conformational changes to form specific protein foldings associated with protein functions. In our study, cell receptor proteins, which are called integrins, they are getting activated by transition from bent to extended conformation. Sampling different states of the conformation of integrins in contact with silicified or non-silicified surfaces could predict activation of the pathway. Although there has been large effort to reduce computational cost of sampling protein folding as well as to enhance sampling of different plates, protein folding remains to be a classical computationally expensive problem. With new algorithms that are being developed every day, let's say, one can model larger systems relevant to specific phenomena. But again, still uh, we are having or dealing with a computationally expensive problem. In this research, uh, what we did in order to reduce the computational cost, we have only modeled the headpiece of the protein, which is getting in contact with the, the surface that they're modeling, but again, as I just mentioned, it's a big system to be simulated and cannot be done in ordinary uh, CPUs or ordinary computers. 
We used uh, replica exchange molecular dynamics in uh, implicit solvent, uh, in this case the solvent is water, to enhance sampling of different states at room temperature, followed by regular molecular dynamics in explicit solvents to fine-tune conformation of states of the integrin in contact with the surface. That surface could be silicified or non-silicified in order to differentiate the state of a protein. Uh, we could perform those large simulations by having access to exceed uh, computational clusters. Would you speak to the exceed resources that you used? Of course. In this research, we have used the Stampede at Texas Advanced Computing Center and Comet at San Diego Supercomputing Center. Also, we have used the Gromax software, which is a software for chemical simulation. It's a molecular dynamics package. Usually, it's been used for the simulation of proteins. And uh, it was installed on both servers, but uh, I have a very long-standing positive experience with uh, using Exit resources. I've been using them for almost 10 years now uh, for my uh, projects during my graduate and postdoctoral uh, experiences. And the uh, staff at Exit they are really helpful if uh, you encounter any problem or if you need a software that should be installed and it's not available, uh, they help you to install, they guide you through the process of doing your research. Uh, I remember uh, I've been exchanging a lot of emails with the staff uh, the first time that I was trying to use the uh, clusters that I was not so familiar. There was a lot of help from Exceed resources uh, and people at Exceed, uh, I really appreciate the uh, time and effort that they put in order to solve, uh, I mean, computational problems that we usually encounter during you know, simulations. Could you place uh, this work in context of the larger scientific picture? Um, how does it advance some of these bigger efforts around um, bone tissue and repair? As we were discussing before, the biomineralization is really critical process when talking about health and material biology, both in terms of preventing the mineralization, as in the case of calcific aortic valve disease, for example, where there is a non-desired calcification of the aortic wall, or on the contrary, in promoting this process, such as in osteoporosis, where the problem is that we lose the bone density. To control and to finally modulate the biological outcomes, it means the bone formation, the um, autogenesis process, we need to improve our knowledge on the key aspects of the mineralization process itself, starting with what happens in the cells when the materials are put in contact with them, and finalizing with the regulation of the whole process of in the cell. That will help us also on the optimization of the design of these biomaterials. On the other hand, the, the silk has been shown for a really long time to be a suitable scaffold for tissue regeneration due to its outstanding me mechanical properties uh, because it's biodegradable, 
biocompatible, and you can fine tune the properties by chemical or bioengineering modifications, which is uh, the case of this project where we modify the sequence of the silk and we fuse to the protein a silicification peptide. We demonstrated that this material promotes the differentiation of human mesenchymal stem cells. We identified the key components in the cascade leading to the induction of the bone formation. And we were also able to block the process. And knowing the pathways in the cell, we should be able to modulate the response of the cell, which is the final goal of the project. To generate a model and be able to modulate this mineralization process through the biomaterial design. We don't want to stick to the, let's say, the black and white in this project. We are also interested in the intermediate, in the gray. So we are not only looking at maximizing the response and minimizing the response, but we are also interested in the intermediate stages. So one of the major points in this project is also the collaboration between experimental and computational teams working together to develop these models. It sounds very promising. Um, how does this research ultimately relate to ordinary people, to non-scientists? The study of the biological processes is essential in biomaterial. I can say that in any field in science. And uh, understanding the fundamental parts of the process, it's really important to understand the complexity of the whole process. So we are doing a basic research in here with our silica system, but we are helping in building the pathway to generate biomaterials that could be used in the future a la carte. And as we discussed previously, the mineralization is a critical process. And the final goal is to develop this model that helps design the biomaterial a la carte uh, to optimize the bone regeneration process when the bone is required to regenerate or to minimize it when we need to review the bone formation. So I guess understanding how this works could ultimately help people with bone diseases, uh, osteoporosis you mentioned. Also, um, I imagine like t just tissue repair in general. Yeah, the idea is that this could be related to those diseases where there is a problem with the, an abnormal formation of bone or minimal formation of bone, and then you need to promote this osteogenic bone formation. That's amazing. Um, could you tell us what is next? What's the next step for this research? Actually, in this research, the most important outcome was that the results were attained experimentally and guided by molecular level modeling. This project created an integrative approach that provides insight into key interactions to control osteogenesis and efficient biomaterial design. We want to use this framework that is created in order to generate a model that could predict 
bone formation. Right now, what we did is uh, like a square in a picture. We want to have the whole picture. And that's what we are going to do. We are going to just fill other gaps in this research in order to finally have the big picture of uh, controlling bone formation. And uh, controlling, I mean reducing or increasing uh, the amount of bone depending on the need. Uh, so uh, we have several lines open after doing this, and uh, we want to modify the start surface in order to affect the amount of minerals and the amount of bones that we could create. Uh, by doing this, I mean we could change the surface or we could change the size of the nanoparticles on the surface. And uh, through this interface, we could affect the activation of the integrins, and finally, we could control the uh, amount of bone forms at the end. Uh, right now, we are doing this. Uh, for instance, we are changing the surface from silica to hydroxyapatite, as well as changing the size of the silica surface, uh, silica particles, and uh, it's a collaborative approach, as I just mentioned, and the main uh, thing that I, I would like to emphasize is that this kind of molecular level of modeling could reduce the amount of time and the amount of cost of doing experiments in the lab. Uh, those experiments are uh, timely, and in terms of the cost, uh, they are really expensive, and it takes a month, for instance, to, or sometimes more, in order to, in order to and, and do those kind of uh, experiments. Again, our simulations are computationally expensive, but with the help of Exceed, we could speed up the performance and the outcome of the research. Well, this is my final wrapping up question. Thanks again. What's the most important thing you want the public to know about your study of bone regeneration? I guess that the most important thing is that by using the integrative approach, this modeling and computational approach, we could shed light into the osteogenic promoting process triggered by the silica. Not only by the silica, because we can continue growing our knowledge on different surfaces. As I just mentioned, we could help in curing diseases related to bone formation, we could name two of them like uh, calcific aortic valve disease or osteoporosis, which we need to know the pathway to control the amount of bone forms uh, either reduce or uh, increase. What I really want to stress is that the interactive approach really helps us because, as the wood said, we can reduce the uh, experimental time in the lab that we need to invest in the lab because the computation in general can drive the design of the surfaces by telling us that um, because you get these specific nanoparticle size, you know that the induction would be higher or lower than the specific square in the big picture that we actually have. And in that way, we can try to generate those surfaces experimentally. Thanks again for speaking with us today. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, we appreciate 
uh, your, your time and your time, your... Um, thank you for giving us the opportunity to share this work. You've been listening to Syra Martin Moldes of Tufts and Davud Ebrahimi of MIT. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar. <laughs>